please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. To those guests who've just joined us, welcome. Our next stop is the Magic Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, we are approaching our station at the entrance to Main Street, USA, gateway to the seven theme lands of the Magic Kingdom. Welcome aboard the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. This is Justin Monorail. And I've got my main man, Monorail co-pilot, Monorail co-pilot here with me today. And that is, of course, Landon, the Dawes Doan. Landon, welcome back to the Monorail. Hi, everybody. It's me. It's me. It's the DOZ, Landon, the Dawes Doan, coming to you once again from the Isolation Station of Love. Thank you all for coming along for the ride of the uh, relaunch of the Monorail last week. And uh, Jay, hopefully you're having a uh, killer week so oh, far. Oh, my gosh. This, this past week has been... Nutso. I got I've I've had several new Disney experiences that I can't wait to talk about on upcoming episodes of this here podcast. But let's get to the matter at hand, which is episode 172 of the Monday Morning Monorail podcast. Today is October the 23rd, 2023. Welcome back listeners, friends and Monorail fam. Of course, thank you so much for jumping back on the monorail at episode 171. I feel like it was a huge success. I've got a lot of great feedback. Landon, I don't know if people have reached out to you, but I know on the socials and through some direct messages, we've we've got a lot of uh, great welcome back messages and, and really good feedback on that first episode. Yeah, um, uh, thank you all for uh, the kind words and kind messages. Uh, I got a weird random death threat. No, okay, I didn't get a death <laughs> threat. That's 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 a lie. Um, but yeah, it's it's been uh, kind of overwhelming uh, to know that uh, y'all have been out there in the ether, so to speak, awaiting the return of the monorail, and it uh, makes me feel good uh, that we're a back and uh, b y'all are back with us. So uh, thanks again for coming along on the ride of the Monday morning monorail, and uh, thank y'all for uh, for being fans of uh, not only. The podcast, but I guess of uh, me and Jay. Yeah, absolutely. Humble's a guy. Yeah, um, I was having a little chat actually with my my good buddy Cocktail Bob uh, this weekend while we were at the Edison, which is something we'll be talking about a little bit later. Cocktail Bob is my favorite member of the pod er, of the uh, Monorail family. I'm bringing it back. <laughs> he is a great member of the Monorail family. He he could be a contender for the favorite. Um, <laughs> But he's, he's definitely one of the tallest members of the Montreal. He may be the tallest. He may. Yeah. Big old boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was just talking about how he feels like you and I are a great duo, you know, and he said he talked about the, the Passholder Lounge podcast and he said it was it's interesting how you when you were doing the not live shows, you were bringing on the different people and and every week and. It was interesting to listen to some of those interviews and then Landon doing his his own show. Both are good in their own right, but when the two of you come together, that's where the magic happens. And I yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Hard to disagree cuz I mean like individually peanut butter is good. Chocolate is good. But when and Zoe's bone is good. Uh, but when you bring them all together, maybe not Zoe's bone. Oh, it's real good. <laughs> 
And uh, speaking of the Pass Holder Lounge, we had an episode this past week that uh, I inexplicably ended up hosting. That was that was a neat experience. <laughs> yeah, that was sort of last minute. And thanks again for for being such a, a willing um, host to step in for me on that occasion. But you know, if you want to know what happened, you can go check out the live YouTube video because there, before the show officially starts, I explain why it is that I won't be staying uh, for that evening, just that particular evening. But Landon, I got to say, watching back, you did a great job. Lewis and Val were amazing. Mm. So good to have them on the show. And um, yeah, yeah, I mean, you never know what's going to happen on a, <laughs> a live episode of the Passholder Lounge. You really don't. It is a live uh, broadcast for a reason, ladies and gentlemen. So be sure and uh, follow that channel on the YouTube and uh, and follow it on the uh, podcast feed as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Shout, uh, shout out to uh, Lewis and uh, Dr. Val for being champs as well. Yeah. And check out their YouTube channel, Figments in Time. Uh, they they do a podcast themselves. And if you're not familiar, Lewis also has a, a Twitter, Disney Pick a Day. I think it, if you look up Disney Pick a Day, I think you'll find it. Um, cause I was trying to think if he shorts it up to Diz pick a day. I think, it, I think it's Disney pick a day. Um, and he has a Dollywood, uh, account as well where he shall. Yeah. Shares. He's kind of a big deal at Dollywood. Yeah. He shares. Lewis. He is. Yeah. Well, he's a big deal for us too. He's that is you know, true. Yeah. He, he and Val are both contenders to be favorite members of the monorail family. They are my favorite <laughs> members of the monorail family. Sorry, cocktail, Bob, your reign was short. It was beautiful, but short. <laughs> um, Hey, uh, just so we can tie up some loose ends uh, for episode 171 of the Monday Morning Monorail, we did get a couple of notes in the Facebook group, and I wanted to share. Oh God, those. did we get death threats? No death threats, but just a couple. Okay. okay. Just right. a couple follow up notes, and you know what? When people interact with us, uh, you know, regarding the show in the Facebook group, I definitely want to share that because I I want to encourage it and I want to appreciate it. In this case. Uh, these were both good notes. So we got a note from Chris P. I, now, number one, I don't know if people want me to share their full names, but also his last name in the Facebook group. I saw it and I was like, I'll butcher that if I say it out loud. So <laughs> so Chris P. Uh, in the Monday Morning Monorail fam Facebook group, he said, first time riding the monorail as I started listening during Dawes Does Disney. Quickly became a fan of both of you since. Great show. Quick note. SeaWorld, Bush Gardens, both already do facial recognition plus the Disney-style security. These parks aren't typically on the forefront when it comes to tech, but it does make entering so much easier. And that's a great point. I, I totally neglected to point that out as we were talking about Universal testing out the facial recognition uh, for entry at Islands of Adventure. So so thank you, Chris. Uh, that is a good call out and definitely don't want to shortchange SeaWorld and Bush Gardens, I, I think incorporating both things makes like such a smooth entry experience, and that's awesome. Yeah, Crispy is a, a fan. He mentioned uh, came on uh, Does Does Disney. He also has a YouTube channel, uh, Crispy's Theme Park Adventure. You can follow him on Twitter. I'm still calling it Twitter uh, at Crispy's TPA and search Crispy's Theme Park Adventure on YouTube. Go give him a follow and uh, watch his content. Good stuff. Oh yeah, that's awesome. I didn't realize that was Crispy, but now I know. Yep. If you don't know, now, you, <laughs> now know. you know. Yeah, that's awesome. So thanks so much for sharing that. And then we got a note from Pastor John. And this was based on not only a topic that we talked about on last week's episode, but we did share this article in the Facebook group. And this was regarding the Shingle Creek Transit and Utility Community Development District. That's the longest name. Like, why Why does it need to be that long? And it also sounds like a communicable... A communicable 
It sounds like a disease, easy for me to say. <laughs> C-S-T-U-C-D-D. Even if you shorten it to letters, it's still ridiculous. Yeah, no, no. It doesn't really roll off the tongue. Yeah. Um. So now, last week we talked about this, and we talked about how it's just sort of a bad look with the ongoing litigation between Walt Disney World and the state of Florida based on Ron DeSantis taking the steps to vacate the seats of the Reedy Creek uh, Improvement District Board, renaming it, and then, you know, just changing up how that that uh, district operates. Now Universal is getting its own special taxing district that is going to the board will be made up of Universal employees. So so John said Though this looks suspicious, numerous districts like this exist all over Florida. Also, Universal Orlando Resort, long before this, committed to paying large portions of infrastructure, of rail system, and traffic upgrades around Universal's Epic Universe for this arrangement. Whether right or not, this is basically uh, political quid pro quo, which is a good point. Now, I will say that... Universal did get some special considerations uh, in terms of the funding for the development of the infrastructure around Epic Universe. They are putting a portion of money up for that. And then the government agreed to pay a portion as well through tax dollars, tourism tax dollars and, and other things like that. I didn't necessarily connect that situation with this, but, you know, the two things could be related. But my point really last week about all of this was whether or not, you know, this is normal practice. And it is in Florida. There are like close to 2000 special tax districts. It's it's not uncommon. What is uncommon is for the state to step in and disrupt one of those tax tax districts for seemingly no reason, which is really what happened in the case of Reedy Creek. And that's why I feel like something like this just sort of shines a new light on what happened between DeSantis and Disney and Reedy Creek, and it just makes it not look good. You know, maybe it's not a great idea for someone unqualified as myself to step in and speak on <laughs> the inner workings of local government and taxing authorities, but it's a, it's an odd look, and that's that's really all I was getting at. It may not be a good idea, but by God, that won't stop us. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. We're going to keep doing it. Oh, something, yep. I, something I didn't say last week, but we used to say it all the time on Monday Morning Monorail, and I'm going to say it again now before all of you uh, start to jump in on, uh, you know, jump all over us for things we might say wrong here and there. We don't know anything. We're... <laughs> We're not, we're, we don't consider ourselves to be ex experts really on anything. We're just like really big fans of all the theme park stuff. We love following the news and we love talk, talking about it. So if anybody had the assumption or inferred that we considered ourselves to be experts on all the goings on at theme parks, we didn't say that. Yeah. Yeah. If if you assume that we know anything of what we're talking about, that's on you. Yeah, that's totally on you. <laughs> that's a you problem, not an us problem. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. But thanks again. I do want to say thank you to both John and Chris and everybody who interacts in the Facebook group. I would love for more people to join that Facebook group and interact with us as the week goes on. And again, if you are on Facebook, you can find that group by searching Monday Morning Monorail Fam. Hop in there. Get into the conversation and and feel free to uh, push your glasses up on your nose and say, um, actually, just whatever you guys Wait, want. we're encouraging that? Because <laughs> then I'll make fun of you. <laughs> I, will, I will make fun of you for doing it, but you're welcome to do it. 
Let's jump into the news of the week. <laughs> oh, is that what we're doing now? <laughs> um, yes, I think we should. And we're going to start with water park news because it is fall. And of course, everybody wants to talk about water parks at this time of year. Disney's sure. Blizzard Beach will reopen to guests on November 6, 2023 at Walt Disney World. I am using www.magic.com as my source for this article. And really, it's just for the date. Um, but I wanted to also share that Typhoon Lagoon will shut down on November or its last day will be November 5th. So um, still going through a stretch of time where at least one of the two parks is closed. Um, since the pandemic, I don't think there's been a time where both parks have been open at the same time. I don't think so. <laughs> I would have to go back and, and double check, but. I'm pretty sure that they've been kind of going back and forth um, in the post-pandemic world. But maybe, you know, they they typically in the past pre-pandemic would would do this. Disney would do this where they would shut one of the parks down in the fall or wintertime, do the refurbishment, and then reopen that and shut the other one down so they could do the same thing. And then as they got into spring, summer, everything's open again. So maybe maybe this coming year will be the year that both are open. We'll see. Yeah, that's surprising, especially as hot as it gets down in Florida, that they would have one water park closed. Because, I mean, you would think that Disney would want to, you know, get people in there to spend money and stuff like that. Yeah, but I do think maybe they're still dealing with trying to get, like, fully staffed to the point where they could have both parks open. And, yeah. And, and maybe that's why they haven't done it. But I think that we are finally getting back to the point where maybe – um, they will have the staffing levels they need, which, you know, my theory about why the park hopping rules are going to be changing in January. And, and then by that point, just annual pass holders are the only ones who are going to have to have a reservation for a specific day at Disney World is because I think I think they are to the point now where they don't have to manage their staff as closely as they did before because they're getting closer to like being staffed up. I think I think that's what's happening. But I don't know. Again, I don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> We're just two really good looking guys talking behind microphones. We don't know anything. Yeah. Landon, have you ever been to Blizzard Beach or Typhoon Lagoon? I nope. Think, I didn't think so. I, th- I thought. Yeah, you know, you know me. I have bad ears. I can't do swimming pools, let alone water parks. So the yeah. whole water park aspect of Disney is something that I am wholly unaware of. Yeah. Like I, I know they're there. But I have never experienced either Typhoon Lagoon or Blizzard Beach. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't have the ear issue to worry about, would you be interested in going to the water parks at all? Nah, I mean, I I have gone to water parks uh, in the past. I would, you know, put earplugs in and have a swimming cap on, which, by the way, that's a great look for a teenage boy. D- definitely didn't make him feel self-conscious or <laughs> Not anything like that. Uh, w- uh, but I mean, like I've done water parks in the past and I mean, they're they're fine, but nothing, nothing that I ever was like, oh, man. Yeah, I got to go back. I want to get get on that water slide and get in the wave pool. Like I, I will say. I am a big fan of lazy rivers. I do like getting in a, like 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 a tube or whatever and just floating around a lazy river. But I mean, like water parks really don't move the needle for me, bad ears or not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of indifferent to water parks largely. 
if I think too hard about like wave pools or lazy rivers, it starts to gross me out a little bit. Uh huh. Yeah. There, there, there is that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like water slides though. And I've never been to blizzard beach, but I have been to typhoon lagoon and I had a good time. I enjoyed it. I, I think again, as you would expect, the thing that really pulled me in with typhoon lagoon was the theming because Disney does it better than anybody else. So I think I would like to go to Blizzard Beach once to get the experience so that I can say I've done it and go down the, uh, I think it's the, oh, what's what's the really tall one? I, I can't, because I was going to say Humunga Cowabunga, but I think that one is at uh, Typhoon Lagoon. Let's, let's, let's ask Google, why don't we? Tall water slide. <laughs> water slide at Blizzard Beach. I know the name of it, and as soon as I see it, it's going to be like, yep, that's the one. Summit Plummet. Well, well, there you go. Summit plummet. And, uh, you talking on, uh, on Disney, putting an emphasis on food and drinks, according to a uh, WDW magic. Uh, it looks like we're getting, uh, some specialty churros, um, uh, at a uh, blizzard beach once it uh, reopens on November 6th as well. Some, uh, s'mores churros and, uh, banana split churros. That s'mores churro sounds pretty good. That does sound good. Now, my question is going to be, are they going to be as good as the nomad lounge churros? Ooh, because I'm going to go with no, because everything tastes better within the confines of Nomad Lounge. Yeah. I mean, that's just science. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that statement. I would also say I just generally think churros are for me. I, I don't I'm not a huge churro fan. I was going to say overrated, but I don't like that term because there, there are people that love them and that's fine. I, I think churros smell better than they taste like I'm always drawn in by the smell of a churro cart. And then when I get one, typically I'm like, oh, I like I want it to have the texture. I'm I'm thinking of the little um, <laughs> the cinnamon twist you get at Taco Bell. If, oh, I'm a big fan of those. Yeah. If a churro was crunchier, but I always feel like they're a little they're a little mushier than I expected them to be. And I don't like that. Mm. I don't like that. But I love the fresh hot churros at Nomad Lounge so much that I think it's even further ruined me for other churros other places. So interesting. Yeah. I mean, those churros at a nomad lounge are really good. And also you can get them gluten free. So, well, yeah. Fun I, fact. Are, are all churros gluten free? I don't know if all churros are gluten free, but I do know that, uh, I've seen people order specifically gluten free churros at nomad lounge and you can get them to go. If, if you, uh, order them from the bar, I've seen that too. Are we're asking Google again. Are all churros <laughs> Gluten-free. Let's bring on our third co-host, Google, ladies and gentlemen. And it's generating an AI response for me. Oh, most churros are not gluten-free because they're typically made with dough. However, you can make gluten-free churros at home. Well, no, thank you. Um, Yeah, no. That that involves (laughs) me cooking. Nope. Okay. All right. Well, that answers that. Um, So as I was doing my little Googling uh, regarding the, the Summit Plummet, I actually successfully got an answer to my question about the water parks post-pandemic. On the Plan Disney website, someone named Paul asked the question. This was August 29th, 2023. When will Disney World open both Typhoon Lagoon and Blizzard Beach at the same time like they did before the pandemic? And the answer was Typhoon Lagoon and Blizzard Beach haven't been operating at the same time since they reopened in 2021. And it's unknown if or when they will again. 
Currently, they mm. trade off being open while one is closed for refurbishment. I'm crossing my fingers that I, they will eventually open at the same time because we love to experience both when we're on a vacation. That was from uh, Leslie in Florida. So that was her response on the plan, Disney. That's really, it's really, really very interesting. I, I wonder, I think it would also have to do with maybe crowd levels. Like, would there ever be a need for both parks to be open at the same time? Because that's, they, that's a fair point. Yeah. If they are, you're spreading out the people who are going to water parks and that just you're doubling your operating cost, essentially. So why do that if you don't have to? And also, it's like, I'm going to say this as somebody who admittedly doesn't go to water parks. Is there a need to have both of them open at the same time? Because, I mean, like, like other than, I mean, like, water park's a water park. I understand, you know, they have different slides and different theming and stuff. But, I mean, it's like, like you, it's a water park. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and sorry, I don't mean to yuck your yum if you're really into water parks, but again, they just don't really move the needle for me. And, and Disney, at the end of the day, is a business, and I just don't know how much financial sense it would make to have two open when I, – I just don't know if you would need to have two open when you can just have the one. All right. Well, let's talk about something that I feel like I can't get myself into trouble talking about, and that no, is – you wait. <laughs> Uh, Disney released a complete guide to all the food and drink at the all-new Disney Jollywood Nights ticketed event at Walt Disney World. This is also an article from WDWMagic.com. And without necessarily going you know, and, and reading every single food offering from this, I was just very surprised at the variety uh, that that is going to be rolled out in terms of the food and drink at, at the Jollywood nights. Mm -hmm. I mean, not just the food, the drinks, like all of it, the, the treats, it all looks very good. And who knows, you know, when you order the real thing, is it really going to look like all this? Who, who's to say, but man, oh man. And I, Landon, you were asking the question if, if this stuff was going to be offered during the day at Hollywood studios, um, or is it just going to be party exclusive? But my understanding is that all of this stuff is going to be party exclusive and sadly. Yes. Yeah. And that is sad because man, there's, there's almost too much to try. There, there really is. I mean, like you, you said, we can't go through the list and name everything. Uh, if we, if we tried to, this would be a very long episode of the Monday morning monorail because I mean, there is so much that just looks so good to eat and drink. Yeah. Whether 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 it be, I mean, like like a, a savory or a sweet something to eat, and then the drink offerings just sound so dang good too. Man. Yeah, I'm just oh good grief. Like I I literally I'm as I look at the list, you know, and I'm looking at, you know, going ABC commissary, looking at the baseline tap house offering, mm -hmm. dockside diner, everything that they've got listed are I would try all of this stuff. It all looks good to me. And man, I love an empanada. I, so just just to call out like a few things on this list that really jump out to me, the at ABC commissary, I, everything they've got on this list is strong. But the chicken empanadas with street corn. Oh, my goodness gracious. Mm. That looks so good. The I would do the mushroom taco. I would also I love a burrito taco, the shredded short rib Monterey Jack and beef consomme for dipping. Oh, my Ooh. goodness gracious. <laughs> You want something sweet? Let's 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 head over to the Fairfax Fair. How about a PB and J donut? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Glazed donut with creamy peanut butter and grape jelly dipped in dark chocolate topped with crush house-made salt and vinegar chips. Whoa. Maybe, I mean, like, 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 okay, the salt and vinegar chips. I'm like, do what now? But but they're house-made, and I mean, holy guacamole. Well, there's and a no- mistletoe martini, too. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no guacamole on the PB&J donut, but oh, my no, gosh, no. it has everything yeah, there, else. There is no guacamole, whether it be holy or not. And that... Same location, Fairfax Fair, the holiday turkey popover with roasted turkey, creamy mashed potatoes topped with gravy, cranberry chutney, and chives in a house-made God. popover. Like, I just... Mm. Disney has is coming hard with the food and drinks for the Jollywood Nights, which, you know, I know that it's not included in the price of the ticket, but at least you are getting, like, a really elevated experience with the food and drink at this party that that I feel like you deserve if you're willing, you know, to pay the the ticket price, which to me is mm-hmm. a little bit high. So, I mean, like, there's there's too much food to try everything in one evening at Jollywood Nights, and I mean, like, it's it's kind of overwhelming the offerings that Disney's breaking out for this ticketed event, and they're only running ten of these. I. I mm. I'm so bummed that some of these offerings aren't being offered during the day. I mean, like, like jazzy Hollywood's at Hollywood Brown Derby. I mean, it's like, okay, they got the charcuterie. You can get the charcuterie regularly at Hollywood Brown Derby. But I mean, like, oh, por- uh, ooh, Derby sliders, uh, pork belly bow, uh, oyster Rockefellers. Are you kidding me? <laughs> mm. I, your boy can get down on some oysters. Yeah. I don't. No, uh, no, I, I do want to point out. Uh, apparently, uh, you have to uh, use the app, uh, the My Disney Experience, to join the uh, walk up wait list at uh, for Brown Hollywood Derby. Brown Derby. So, just FYI. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's going to be an experience too. It's uh, apparently they're transforming the restaurant into a smooth jazz joint, playing holiday tunes amidst sparkling decor. Uh, oh, that'll be fun. The the only thing the only thing that when I read read all this, I was like, oh, they got so close. Um, I was reading about the Twilight Soiree at the Tip Top Club. Yeah, I was looking at that, too. And so they describe it as a swinging soiree in the courtyard of the Hollywood Tower Hotel. A live band will be bringing the fun with holiday tunes and jukebox style as you st- sip fancy cocktails. That sounds great. But can you imagine if there was a space inside the Tower of Terror that they could transform into a club like this for special occasions. Maybe, maybe there's just not room enough to do anything like that, but whole, holy cow. Now that would be something that if I could experience that, I might be willing to drop down those extra dollary dues to get in there. You know, that would be really sweet, but that sounds pretty cool anyway. And the beverage offerings at the uh, Twilight Soiree at the uh, Tippy Top or the Tip Top Club, (laughs) not the Tippy Top. uh, Those all sound really good too. I yeah. could get down on a, a sparkling pomegranate apple cider. Mm. Oh, yeah. The Fifth Dimension Royale. Uh, tequila, uh, liqueur, uh, pear, agave. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, God. I, I would need to be... I would need to be rolled out of this event. Not pretty only, much, yeah. <laughs> not only because of like eating all of the treats, but also there, there are too many 
tempting drinks. And it's very cool that in a lot of locations, they've got zero proof cocktails as well. Yeah, I was about to point that out. If you're not a uh, booze hound like uh, yours truly, there are uh, zero proof options as well. Yeah. So good job, Disney. At least you're really like stepping up. I I think this is definitely going to be a very special experience in Hollywood Studios. I was actually telling May about this event, a.k.a. the artist formerly known as Chicken Nugget. And uh, she asked if we could do it. And I was like, I I just don't know. I mean, it's it's so hard for me to say no to it because I I mean, I already told you. The the show that they've got the Muppets hosting in the um in the Beauty and the Beast theater the that that alone is enough for me to be like oh my gosh you are like I feel like I feel like you're like you know you're just taking my wallet and there's nothing I can do about it but I've been so good about like resisting the temptation to pull the trigger on on the tickets and I'm just hoping that like in the next week the announcement comes out oh all the parties are sold out and I'm like well now I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> take uh, take the uh, decision out of your hand. Yeah. Well, uh, as of now, as of this recording, uh, there are still only two sold out dates, November 11th and the 18th. So uh, you still have some options. You have eight party nights left, uh, November 20th, 27th, 29th, December 4th, 6th, 16th, 18th, and then coming to a close on December 20th. Yeah. If all of you are on the fence about it, but you're like, you know, maybe a little further on the side of you think you're going to do it, please just go ahead and do it. So I can't and then tell <laughs> and then tell me about it so I can live vicariously through you. Um, I mean, honestly, with these food options, I I think I think it's worth it enough just so you can go spend money on <laughs> eating and money. drinking around the park. I these sound amazing. Like even Pizza Rizzo is getting in on the act and it looks really good. <laughs> Which is not something you generally say about Pizza Rizzo. Very true. Very good point. Uh, all right. Well, while we're talking about delicious food, I wanted to hop over to Disney Springs and just mention I pulled up this article, again, from our friends at www.magic.com. They're dominating the headlines today. They're promoting a up a couple upcoming events at Morimoto at Disney Springs. This one says, join Chef Morimoto at Disney Springs for unique culinary experiences, including a seven-course meal prepared by the Iron Chef himself. And there's a couple of things that they're going to be doing. And the reason I pulled this up was a couple for a couple of reasons. One was, just yesterday, I got to go to a special event at the Edison called the Cocktail Archives. It was a special ticketed event, started at 1130, went to 230. And it was the first time that I've gotten to go to a special hard ticketed event at a Disney Springs location since I went to Morimoto Fest pre-pandemic. And I I look back on that experience very very fondly. And it was it was so much fun. The food was great, of course. The drinks were awesome and it was fairly priced and it was a really great experience. But of course, pandemic happens and then since pandemic, I haven't really been seeing a lot of these special events happening. And maybe I haven't been looking for them either, but I, I think they're just now starting to pick up a little bit more at some of the specialty locations. So it's exciting to see this. Now, this first event that I'm going to tell you about, it sounds incredible, but it comes with a hefty price tag. So the first one starting on uh, or on Friday, December 1st and Saturday, December 2nd, 
Join Chef Morimoto for a celebration of 100 years of House of Suntory Fine Whiskies with the Suntory 100th Anniversary Tasting. Each evening from 5 to 6.30, a limited number of guests will sample exceptional whiskeys alongside small bites. The tickets are $355 plus tax. <laughs> and that does not include gratuity per person. That, oh. I mean, I never expected. I, I was like, oh, this will probably be like 150 bucks. Oh. No, no, no. $355. Mm. For an hour and a half. Um, now, now this must be one of those situations where they're only selling, you know, less than 50 tickets or something for something like a very small amount of people. You're going to get some what I would imagine to be like, uh, intimate time, you know, one on one, not one on one, but in small groups with Chef Morimoto, uh, the Suntory whiskey. If you haven't had it, Japanese whiskey, it's really good. And it is like a you know you can get the the more expensive ones and and they're very tasty but my goodness you know that is that is a high asking price and and it says alongside small bites yeah <laughs> three hundred and fifty five dollars for a ninety minute experience small bites um I, I like like I know Japanese whiskey is is kind of a uh, uh, Kind of has a high price point anyway, and uh, this is this is a special event. But I mean, God bless, man. I've got a new go to. Like if I go to a, a sushi restaurant or a Japanese restaurant, if they have it, I enjoy getting a Japanese whiskey highball. That's like my go to drink now to pair with sushi. It's so good. And I usually go Toki because Toki is a for affordable. Um, but yeah. If you if you're a fan of Japanese whiskey or you're interested, yeah, give that a shot. Get do a do a little Japanese whiskey highball next time you go to a a Japanese restaurant. It's very good. Yeah. Um, okay. So those same two nights later in the evening, there will be another special event, December first and second. Chef Morimoto will host his highly exclusive Momokase, beginning at seven p.m. Ten lucky guests each evening will enjoy an intimate seven course meal personally prepared by the Iron Chef himself. Paired with rare bottles of House of Suntory's signature whiskey, including the option to upgrade to a quarter ounce pour from one of only 200 bottles of Yamazaki 55 in the world. This unique once in a lifetime opportunity starts at $2,000 per person, plus tax <sighs> and gratuity. <laughs> wow, that makes the first option seem affordable. <laughs> right? That kind of takes the sting out of that $355. It really does. I mean, $355. Let's all go, guys. <laughs> it's a discount. What a discount. <laughs> We're losing money if we don't go to that. <laughs> Shoo. I love. I, I mean, it's, it's like, again, I it's, uh, like like there are only 200 bottles of this Yamazaki 55 <coughs> in the entire daggone world. But that's two grand. Well, and that's not even talking about the upgrade price. I think the it's this whole event starts at $2,000 a person. And if you upgrade to the quarter ounce pour, I can't imagine. 3,000? I'm going to open the link. I wonder what I wonder what the upgrade <laughs> option is if it's listed. <laughs> they may ask you for a credit card just to open the link. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but wow, I love Morimoto Asia. I love Chef Morimoto. I 
Oh, you're you're not far off. They 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 want to call me before uh, before they uh, lock it in. So <laughs> so I can't even see how much it is. <laughs> see, I told you. God bless. It's like going to a Ferrari dealership, and they're like, "Oh, you want to test drive one? Okay, sure. Let's do a credit check and <laughs> before we even yeah, leave. right, uh huh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, and then finally. On Sunday, December 3rd, get into the holiday spirit with 12 beers of Christmas hosted by Chef Morimoto. Sample 12 beers paired with 12 bites. Non-alcoholic beverage options for kids make this a family-friendly event. Choose from two different time slots in either general admission or a booth with bottled water and a dedicated server. Tickets start at $95 for adults and $55 for children. So, hey, that's somewhat affordable. Mm -hmm. That's more my speed. (laughs) And I mean, it's it's still still almost a hundred dollars, but at the same time, for for these beer tastings and 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 I mean, if you ever been on like a like a whiskey tasting, gone up to like Louisville or gone to you know Lynchburg or something like that, I mean, it's it's comparable ish yeah. to to those price points. And I mean, twelve twelve beers and twelve bites, I'd, I'd still think I'd want more than just again bites to eat. But still, I mean, that could that that could be fun. I think so. I think now the 12 beers of Christmas is something that he's done. Morimoto has done in the past. Uh, So this is an event that's coming back. I don't know if they did it last year, but I've heard people talk about this and say really good things about it. So if that's something that you're interested in, I would say, check it out. Like I told you previously, the uh, Morimoto Fest I went to, which was it was similar to this. Although what they did at Morimoto Fest was it was in October and it was sort of like their take on Oktoberfest. It was all Central Florida brewery beers, and then they took those beers and paired them with chef-curated, uh, Chef Morimoto-curated bites that would pair well with those beers. And Ooh. and he was there on hand, um, which was really cool. It was, a, it was a really fun event, and if I remember right, I think the tickets for that were like $75 or something to get in, and it was all you could eat, all you could drink. It was really good. That um, sounds awesome. Yeah, it was a very, very good event. We had a great time, and if if they ever do Morimoto Fest again, I'm I'm there like 100. percent I would go. So, um, but yeah, I say all that to say, I did get to go to a special event at Disney Springs yesterday, a special ticketed event at the Edison called Cocktail Archive. Now, this was something that it hopped on my radar just maybe a few weeks ago. I didn't know it was happening, and I, I don't know if I got a targeted ad or I just happened to see it, but it popped up. I clicked on it, went to the Edison website, read all about it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this sounds awesome. And it was it was kind of a fun surprise that I decided to get for Casey because her birthday was October 13th. And um, we're both fans of, of food and drink and fancy experiences. <laughs> so we decided to do it. And my goodness, I've got so much so many good things to say about that experience yesterday. Now, I will just tell you, they did not pay for me to go. I'm not sponsored here. So everything I'm telling you, this is like uh, legitimately my review of the experience yesterday. Um, Landon, we, we were talking a little bit before, and you mentioned you've never even set foot in the Edison, right? No, never been to the Edison. Uh, me and the Smoking Hot Girlfriend, we got a trip going down in November, and we have a reservation for our day in Disney Springs. So this is something we're looking forward to experiencing. And I'm also very curious to hear how your experience at this special event 
at the Edison went, but uh, I'm looking forward to experiencing the Edison just period. Yeah. Well, so I've been to the Edison a couple of times and I'll just say, I think that it's a fun environment. I really like the theming of the Edison as you can manage it's, it, or imagine it's kind of steampunky. There's a lot of mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, mechanical, it, it feels very industrial and mechanical and uh, it's really, it's really a cool setting The it, it definitely feels very throwback, like you're going into a, a 1920s bar, you know, a speakeasy or something like that. It's it's it, the theming is great. My experience with the food has been it depends on what you get, but I think the food is is it's OK. One of their signature things is their candied bacon on the clothesline. And I've had that a couple times and it's been great every time. So I highly recommend that for fans of bacon. OK, but the drinks are always really good and they have really interesting drinks. And I think that's where the Edison really shines, which is why this event really like got my attention. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. This is exactly how I want to experience the Edison. So we did. We got the tickets. Now, they these tickets were $75 a person or you could do guaranteed seating for $90 a person where they actually you had a reserved table uh, with your name on it when you arrived, which was nice. And then you could also upgrade to a platinum experience for another $40 a person, which would include a premium cocktail and a premium food item. So being that this was a birthday gift, I went all out and I not only did I get guaranteed seating for both of us, I got us the premium upgrade, the platinum upgrade. Nice. Yeah. So we got (laughs) when we got in, we were meeting up with cocktail Bob and his wife, Christina, they got the guaranteed seating, but they didn't get the platinum upgrade. So they got these lame white lanyards and we got these cool black ones because we were the VIPs. Oh, <laughs> I bet you they felt stupid. I, I was like, look at this in your face. <laughs> Just lording over them. It's like with your white lanyards, you plebs. Now, now I didn't know how exactly the food and drink pairings were going to go. But the way it worked was you went to each station. You didn't have to go in order, um, but you went to each station. And then when you walked up. They would punch the uh, the corresponding number for the station on your card. So you could really only go to each one once, which mm. so that was a little different than what I experienced at Morimoto Fest. So just to point that out. But the idea behind this event was it's sort of it's sort of like a history of cocktails through time. And if you wanted to, you could have gone like chronologically. And that's how they numbered the station. So, for example, the first station, number one, was from 1682, and it was a Victorian punch bowl. And then the food pairing with that was sugarcane grilled yakitori shrimp, local honey, and sambal. Um, so I don't even know what sambal is. <laughs> I don't either. I think it's it's just somehow that, that some way they seasoned the shrimp. But but they did. They grilled it on a little piece of sugar cane, which was pretty neat. Um, Interesting. Mm. Yeah. So this was really good. I, I wish that I one thing I don't have and I wanted to take pictures at each one of the stations because I was hoping that it would um, give you the recipe for each cocktail. But they didn't do that, really. What it was was. They had a sign at each station that would explain the cocktail and sort of the history behind it, but not really tell you necessarily what was in it. It would tell you, I think it, I think usually it would tell you like, this is a gin based drink or a whiskey, whiskey based drink, but it didn't really give you all the details. So I, I can't, I think the Victorian punch bowl was like a champagne based drink. I, I can't remember. Don't quote me on that, but it was something like that. Um, but it was really good. 
um, the sugar cane grilled yakitori shrimp was one of my favorite little small plates we had the entire time that we were there. So I thought that was really tasty. Um, and it was a really interesting like way to start. And then if you went to, if you wanted to go like one to two, the next station was 1792 absinthe fountain station. And the food pairing was uh, Kushi oyster shooters, um, with an absent absinthe, uh, menu, minuet, minuet, mignone. I don't know. It's I believe a, that's a dance move. It's a fancy word at the end. Uh, and then and then station three was old fashioned paired with the candied bacon. So they did have the signature candied bacon. Um, the one that was the VIP bonus station was a Clover Club cocktail. And the food fairing, pairing was A5 uh, Tataki uh, Wagyu beef. <laughs> so... If there was any shortfall, the, uh, two two things that I'm going to balance out my over my overwhelmingly glowing review of this event. Two things to kind of like balance that out a little bit. First was it was two floors, um, so the the food stations were on the on there were it may have been half and half, maybe five or six downstairs. Or no, 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 there were only eight nine stations, so maybe there were five downstairs, four upstairs. It was something like that. I think there. Nope, there were three that I remember. Three upstairs, the rest were downstairs. So that sort of was a little bit to deal with because you either had to go in the elevator. So, you know, you just had to wait. There's a small elevator there that they recommend four people at a time. So you could either do that to get up and down or you had to go on one of the two staircases to get up and down. And it's like a decent, I mean, the the ceiling on the, on the, you know, the first floor, which is where our reserve table was, it's like probably... 30 feet up. So it's not like a normal, just, you know, 12 feet or whatever. Like it's a, it's a significant climb to get up to the, to the top floor. So we did have to go up and down a couple of times, which maybe that's good. We were working off calories, but I was just thinking if you were someone <laughs> who was a little bit mobility per, uh, impaired or, or, you know, stairs were a struggle that would have been sort of uh, frustrating to have to deal with the elevator. Um, but that was, you know, a small detail. But the other thing was, Casey and I decided decided to save the VIP station for the last thing that we did. So by the time that we got down there, all the Wagyu was gone. Oh, no. that's crap, especially because you had to pay for that. I mean, like that's this is already an, a ticketed event. And then you had to go even more in the wallet for that experience. Yeah. That sucks. So that was frustrating because I did think to myself, you've you have a head count of how many people you sold the VIP ticket to. So I don't really understand how you run out that because you could only go to each station once and you get your little ticket punch. So people couldn't have gone back to get more Wagyu. So I don't know how that happened now. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to their credit. The the gentleman that was manning that station said, I'm going to take down your full name and we will let them know that you didn't get the Wagyu. And so you'll get a full refund for the VIP experience. So hmm. so they are they did refund us for the, the VIP ticket. Now, we still were able to get the Clover Club uh, cocktail. And actually, again, to their credit, as the, the gentleman was pouring the cocktail, I said, hey. We missed out on the Wagyu. You think you could hook us up with like an additional Clover Club cocktail? And he did. He gave us two. Okay. All right. 
So so that was nice. I mean, I don't know that that, you know, equals out to a Wagyu, but it's still that was nice. At least we got two of those. It's something and, and, and good on good on the cast members for taking care of you in that situation. But, yeah, I mean, going back to your point, it's like they knew how many tickets they sold for the VIP portion of this event. It doesn't make sense that they would run out of the VIP part of the food pairing. Yeah. So that was a little odd. Yeah. But I do want to say just overall overall review of the event. It was really nice. Um, they had some nice music playing, but it wasn't like overwhelmingly loud. I, a lot of times when I go to an event like this, one of my feed, feedback, one of the pieces of feedback that I have is you oversold like there were too many people. It didn't feel like that. Um, it was actually like I think it was just the right amount of people. I never felt overly crowded. You never had to wait a really long time to get your ticket punched and get your cocktail and your drink. And then the other piece of it was they weren't particularly strict at some of the other stations aside from the VIP one about going back and and maybe getting another uh, small plate. Like the food was a little more loose than the cocktails. You could get some additional food Um, at the candied bacon station. uh, There was a woman with a torch that was like torching and making the bacon crunchy as you walk, walked up to it. And, uh, and she was like, how many pieces you want? (laughs) We're like, Oh, (laughs) so she is my favorite member of the Monorail family. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so that was nice. And then as things were sort of wrapping up near the end, um, there were some like pre like the uh, Victorian punch bowl. It was a big pre pre-mixed punch bowl. I was able to go, go get additional servings of that before we left. And then also cocktail Bob's wife, Christina, there was one particular drink that she couldn't have based on an allergy. So she took her lanyard to a station where she wanted to have a second, you know, cocktail because she enjoyed the first one so much. And they and they totally were fine with that. They just they punched the station, the hole in the station she couldn't have. And they gave her another another one of uh, the drinks that she liked. So they, I felt like they were really accommodating in a lot of ways. Uh, the people that were mixing the cocktails were really, really knowledgeable. And if you wanted to engage them and talk about like the history of the drink and and that sort of thing, they were absolutely willing to do that. And I shout out particularly to Talon at the Absinthe Station because my goodness, did that man know a lot about absinthe and the history of absinthe? But, you know, even, you know, at the old fashioned station, we talked about the history of old fashions and how they were introduced at a at a club, like a private members club in Kentucky. Um, that was like the first known documentation of an old fashioned. And, mm. you know, just a, a lot of really interesting things. Um, I'm a fan of, of Tiki cocktails. If you're a Trader, Trader Sam's fan or you just like Tiki culture. They had a Jungle Bird Tiki cocktail, and it talked about like the history of how Tiki Tiki bars first came to America. Um, so that was really interesting. Um, and the food pairing there was a tuna poke that was so good, so good. That was one of my other favorite small plates. So all in all, like I, I give it really great reviews. I there was never a situation where I felt like we had a question or a, a problem where they didn't try to help us and accommodate us. Um, so shout out to the staff. Service was great. Atmosphere was great. The cocktails, I felt like we made a comment near the end. We were like, these were not um, like wimpy cocktails. Like they all, they all had a punch to them and the food pairings were really, really well thought out, well plated and, and tasty. So high, high regard for this event. I would absolutely do it again. If they do this again in the future, I'll be there 100%. So. Well, that's awesome. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot. Was there a favorite 
cocktail that you had because i mean looking at the menu it, it looks like they all just sound so dang good yeah i will say th- th- it's interesting there were a lot of things oh there were a lot of things on the list that i uh, well now i won't say a lot several cocktails on the list i had never had before for example the the victorian punch bowl uh the clover club and then also uh from brazil the caparina was something i'd never had before and they served it um, they were using liquid nitrogen and, and they served it almost like a slushy and it was so good. It's almost hard to describe how it tasted because you, you want to compare it to something like a margarita, but it's not quite a margarita. Um, and it's not quite like a, like a rum cocktail, like the, because they use, there's a Brazilian liquor that is, it's made in Brazil. It's their, you know, signature Brazilian liquor that they use to make the caparina and you can't even really compare that. Like it's sort of rum, sort of tequila. It's almost like the mixture of the two. It's made from sugar cane. It is so, it was so good. I, that, that to me might've been, I, it's either between that or the old fashioned. Cause the old fashioned was fantastic. Those two would be my top two. Dang. And actually surprisingly the zero proof station at the end, um, we didn't get any of the co- the ice pops because they, were, I guess they either melted or they were gone by the time we got there. But, <laughs> but we did. We finished up with the zero proof station, and it was a very refreshing, fruity like it was like cucumbery, but also kind of fruity, um, fancy zero proof cocktail. It was good. I like that too. But yeah, all in all, I mean, like I said, I, I was very impressed. Had a great time, and. I would highly recommend if this is something that you saw and you're like, eh, I'm not sure next year. If I were to do it again, I don't necessarily think we needed to get the guaranteed seating. I think I'd, as long as the as long as they don't sell more tickets and it gets more crowded, I would just do general admission. There were there were plenty of seated seating and standing tables that you could use um, upstairs and downstairs. That And there was we always were able to find open spots. So, Yeah. Absolutely great. 10 out of 10. Wow. That's awesome. It was a cool way to experience the Edison. And I do recommend, like, I, I think I've heard people that absolutely rave about the about the food. And I know I wasn't, like, overly glowing about their regular dinner service. But as far as drinks and small plates and the environment, I, I highly would recommend checking it out. Just, a, just another in the strong lineup of restaurants at Disney Springs. I mean, you sold me on the candied bacon. So, I mean, there's that. <laughs> It's, that's great. I shared one of those with Rob one time, and I think we were about to fight over the candied bacon. But yeah, I mean, looking forward to more. I'm going to keep my eyes open for more events, not just the, at the Edison or at Morimoto. But I, I really do like these specialty ticketed events at at the Disney Springs locations because it gives you a whole new appreciation and and an experience that you can't get just going, you know, at a regular time when one of the you know during regular operating hours at a restaurant. So it's nice. All right, so that will wrap up the news and reviews segment of the show. I, I think we now are ready to take a little break here, and then when we come back, we're going to get to a segment that we haven't done in a very long time. It's a fan favorite, so let's take a break, and we'll be right back.
All right. Welcome back to the final segment of the Monday Morning Monorail podcast. And today we're going to bring back something we haven't done in a very long time. I'm not going to say the name of it because I want your host to say the name of it, the host of this game show to say the name of it. But before we do that, I do want to say thank you to those who reached out and responded to our big question last week. We asked you, what was your holy trinity of Walt Disney Animation Studios movies? And we got some responses that I want to share. First, I'm going to hop over to the Twitter account. We posted on the Twitter, asked on Monday. We celebrated hashtag Disney 100. Now we want to hear from you. What are your three favorite Walt Disney Animation Studio films of all time? And we got three, count them, three responses on the Twitter. The first I'm going to read is from our friend Donna. We love Donna. Donna, Donna's my favorite member of the Monorail family. <laughs> she had previously responded when I posted the the episode, but I think she was just giving us her response for Disney movies in general. So these, these were specifically for the animation uh, studio movies. And she said, Cinderella, Jungle Book, and Mickey's Christmas Carol. It was really nice. Those are strong. Yeah, really good to see Mickey's Christmas Carol uh, break into the top three. The next response we got was from our friend Lee M. Taylor, all the way from across the pond in the UK. Lee is my favorite member of the Monroe family. <laughs> Lee said, number one, Lilo and Stitch. Interesting. Ooh, okay. All Interesting right. Off to a strong one. start. Yeah. Number two, Aladdin. And number three, he agrees with Donna, The Jungle Book. So two, Wow. Two, two, two. Lee and I share two of three. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. And then Tony, the Disney dad, he shared, number one, Tangled, a modern classic. Number one overall. That's That was, I believe, Dr. Val's uh, number one as well, if uh, if you were a part of the uh, live pass holder lounge on Tuesday. That's pretty awesome. Number two, Aladdin. So Aladdin in the two slot for Tony and Lee. He said, my favorite of the Renaissance era. Number three, Pinocchio. Freaked me out as a kid, but is just beautiful. <laughs> Totally get it. Strong list from Tony, who is uh, my favorite member of the Monorail family. Yeah. And then he has a 3B, which is Mickey's Christmas Carol. So love that. Love that Mickey's Christmas Carol is getting some love. That's that's awesome. Yeah. I love to see it popping in there. Over on the Facebook, we got a couple responses as well from our friend Paul. He said, my Disney animation trinity, Snow White, Aladdin and Hercules. Ooh, Hercules. Okay. Yeah, Snow White, going going back to the first one as well. I like that one. Uh, who was that list from? That was from Paul. Paul, Paul, good list. Paul, favorite member of the Monroe family. <laughs> and then our last response comes from our friend Eric, and he said, Disney Animation Trinity, Robin Hood, Aladdin, and Emperor's New Groove. Ooh, love to see Emperor's New Groove getting some love. Eric, strong list. Favorite member of the Monroe family. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you all for interacting with us and sharing your responses. And when we do those big questions, you know, feel free, jump in on our Twitter account at Morning Monorail and also hop into the family on Facebook, Monday Morning Monorail Fam, and we'll put the episodes out there. We'll put the questions. And when you respond, you may hear your responses read right here on this very podcast. Now, if you remember, Landon, I didn't share my top three. And I somehow wiggled my way out of doing it on the live show, but I'm willing to mm-hmm. I'm willing to do it now before we jump into the the big game show. So I, I'm going to have to go no particular order because I can't. Maybe later I'll rank them, but <laughs> I'm going to have to say 
Once again, you're weaseling out of it. (laughs) I'm giving you three. Peter Pan was the one I mentioned on the live show. You did. I'm sticking with that. My favorite from the Renaissance era is the Lion King. So Lion King slotted in there. And then I think I'm going to round it out with 101 Dalmatians. Okay. (laughs) Which is a surprise to even me. Yeah, but, I I was not expecting that. <laughs> but I I just I think it's so cute. I love those dogs. And um yeah, I, I if I'm if I'm choosing from, you know, this wide array of wonderful Disney animated movies, that there's no loser in the bunch. I I feel I'm just feeling I'm feeling very nostalgic for the the Dalmatians right now. So I'm going to go with that one. Two classics and uh, one from the uh animation renaissance. I, I dig it. Yeah. So there you go. All right. I'm going to clear out of the way now because it is time for what everyone's been waiting on. Landon, take over. Well, you did say I am the uh, host of this. I guess we're calling it a game show. Uh, <laughs> uh, but in this instance, I'm actually the ghost host of uh, this spooky edition of Fast Pass Standby Snack Break. Now, if you are new to this podcast or you've never participated in Fast Pass Standby Snack Break, let me explain it to you real quick. We are going to list three Disney things. That is one, two, three. And we are going to rank them. We are going to Fast Pass one. We are going to Stand By one. And we are going to Snack Break the other. Now, when I say that, if we are going to Fast Pass something, this is the thing that you and your party absolutely must do you are going to go out of your way and reserve a spot you are going to fast pass it if you're going to stand by something you do want to do it it's not necessarily on your uh you know top of the list but you're st- but you're willing to wait in line you're willing to stand by for it now if you're going to snack break something uh, it's not necessarily something you're going to make a reservation for it's not necessarily something you're going to stand in line for So you're going to go grab a snack while the rest of the party does it, but you are cool enough that you're going to hold on to all the uh, purses and uh, bags while everybody else is standing in line for this attraction. But we're not talking about attractions on this particular edition of Fast Pass Standby Snack Break. I did say that we are in the spooky season. We are doing a spooky version of Fast Pass Standby Snack Break, a haunted edition of Fast Pass Standby Snack Break. We are talking Disney's Haunted Mansion. We are going to fast pass standby snack break. Disney's Haunted Mansion. So we are going to rank out the Haunted Mansion movies. We are talking the Eddie Murphy edition of the Haunted Mansion movie. We are talking the edition of the Haunted Mansion movie that just came to theaters this year. We are going to be including the Muppets version of the Haunted Mansion as well. So those are our three fast pass standby snack breaks. I want to know what you think. Get in the Monorail Family Facebook group and rank them out Fast Pass Standby Snack Break and give us a reason why each of these three films are getting your rankings, your designations, as it were. Uh, You can get at us on uh, Twitter as well. Uh, We'll be pulling answers from there as well. Uh, But uh, Jay, I'm kind of curious, where did these three films shake out for you in the realm of Fast Pass Standby Snack Break? Oh man, I feel like I answering this question is going to hurt my feelings because 
<laughs> I love all three of these in different ways. I have such a soft spot for the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion. I, again, I love it unironically. Yeah, it, you legit like this movie. You were like yeah. one of the few people that I know that like the Eddie Murphy version of the Haunted Mansion. Yeah, there there are literally tens of us out there, but, but we do exist. <laughs> and... Um, so it's hard. It's going to be hard for me. And I, I, I'll tell you, I know that the 2023 Haunted Mansion, people generally, at least critically, didn't love it. And then you've got the Muppets. Hashtag save the Muppets. Like, how could I how could I put them anywhere but the top? So, oh, my gosh, I think I think I have to go. Oh, my gosh. I really struggle with this because I, I feel like I'm going to hurt one of the movie's feelings and I don't want them to be mad at me. <laughs> well, I spoke to all three movies before we started recording and they said that they're they're still going to consider you a pretty good friend regardless of how you rank them. So so I don't know if that makes you feel any better. All right. I am ready. I'm going to go Fast Pass Muppets Haunted Mansion. Okay. I am going to go Stand By Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion. And I'm going to go snack break Haunted Mansion 2023. And the only reason that I do that, I think Haunted Mansion 2023 is better than a lot of people think. I think it's good. I think it's it's definitely something I'm going to be rewatching during this spooky season now that it's on Disney+. Plus. But the reason I do that, I think they tried to do too much in too little of time with that movie. I think that the movie somewhat suffers a little bit because of that. I love all the tributes to the Haunted Mansion attraction that that they have in that film. But I think just based on these three, I, that's that's how I'm going to have to line them up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry already, but that's what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, I'm being told that the 2023 version of the Haunted Mansion is removing you as its emergency contact. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. So I'm sorry, sorry Lakeith Stanfield yeah. and Rosario Dawson. I love you all. I really do. But that was a strong cast. <laughs> it really was. Except for Jared Leto. Hollywood, we, we're, we're, we're tired of Jared Leto. Stop putting him in everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about you, man? How, how would you line these up? Okay. Um, I am going to fast pass the Muppets version of the Haunted Mansion, because as you mentioned on this podcast, we are hashtag save the Muppets um, on everything. And if it, even if we weren't of that lifestyle uh, as the kids say, I don't know if the kids actually say that or not. <laughs> um, I love what they did with the Muppets and the story they told with the Muppets Haunted Mansion. I honestly wish Disney would do more with of, of that formula. It's like I would love to see the Muppets Jungle Cruise or something yeah, like that. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Like, I, I honestly think that might end up being better than the Jungle Cruise movie we saw with the Rock <laughs> a few years ago. And, and 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 I generally liked that movie, but I think it would be cool to see you know the Muppets Big Thunder Mountain or something like that. Um, but I it I just really dug that movie. I thought it was fun. It, it gave enough tips of the cap homages to the attraction itself. And plus, I mean, it's like the Muppets. What's what's not to love? So that is going to be my fast pass. My standby is going to be the 2023 version of the Haunted Mansion. I saw it opening weekend with uh, the smoking hot girlfriend and her daughter, who I refer to as the ambassador. And we all really enjoyed it. Um, I'm a big fan of the Haunted Mansion attraction, and I thought it there was 
enough references to the attraction itself that, you know, uh, made me smile. And I, I dug the story that they told, uh, I already mentioned, has, has a really strong cast in spite of Jared Leto. Um, and I still don't understand why Disney dropped it in the middle of the summer when it should be in theaters like, oh, I don't know now. Um, and it really, really, really suffered uh, being released in the shadows of a little movie. Uh, well, two little movies, as a matter of fact, one being Oppenheimer and the other being Barbie. So its ceiling was it was going to be number two at the box office on its best day, and it never even saw its best day. Um, and I think it kind of got unfairly looked at. Uh, I highly recommend you check it out on Disney Plus if you haven't uh, given it a shot. I really dug it. And then uh, by deduction, I guess you figured out I'm going to snack break the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion movie. Um, I'm just not a big fan of that movie. It's 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 fine enough. I know it has its fans. Well, I know it has Jay, but uh, <laughs> it's 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 not my jams. Let's just say. Yeah, that's that's all right. You're you know what? A lot of people agree with you on this. So. And as they say, 50 million Elvis fans can't be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's fine for what it is, but, but it really doesn't move the needle for me. And, uh, and I now obviously think there are two better versions of the Haunted Mansion out there. So that is going to be my snack break. All right. Fair enough. Well, if you want to get involved in this game show, as I've called it today, for some reason that no one knows. <laughs> yeah, it's a game show and, 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 no, and nobody wins prizes, except you're going to get a, a, a trip to space camp. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that would be great. I, I would, I'm going to enter because I want to go back to space camp for a third time. How about that? Yeah. Space camp was dope. <laughs> <laughs> but you know you, how you can interact with the show. You can do it on our socials at Morning Monorail. We'll post the episode and you can answer below with your Fast Pass standby snack break. Or, Landon, I'm sure that you would be willing to put out the tweet on your Dawes Does Disney Twitter and we can retweet it from there. We'll do both. We can do both. Yep. Or both is good. The other thing you can do is join the Monday Morning Monorail fam, and we will post the question for you to respond to there. Those who respond, depending on the level of response and how many we get and such, we'll we'll re we'll read what we can next week on the show. So, and we always appreciate you all for not only listening but being willing to interact with us. It's great. Y'all are the best. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for another episode of the Monday Morning Monorail podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And Landon, I know that people can't get enough of you, so let's tell them where they can get some more when they're not sitting with us on the monorail. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, L-A-N-D-O-Z. Please go follow me, Landon Doan. I'm the best Landon Doan, not the rest. That's where you can uh, get me 280 characters at a time. I also run a website, buttmunchchips.com. Buttmunchchips. Sit on your butt and munch. I mean, you you can go there, but I mean, I haven't updated it in years. And honestly, I don't know why I keep mentioning it. It's honestly just kind of a habit at this point. But there's really stuff that I did from uh, my college radio days, uh, interviews with the cast of Aquatine Hunger Force, Venture Brothers, which may or may not be coming back or getting a movie. I don't know. Um, uh, so there's there's that. Um, I also appear on the Phil Show, News Talk 98.7 WOKI, radio station locally here in Knoxville, Tennessee, streaming 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at Newstalk987.com. Also available in the iHeartRadio app and the Newstalk 987 app as well. 
Wow. I've also been appearing on the uh, Yarbrough show uh, a lot here as well. That's uh, 10 to noon uh, on the same station as well, News Talk 987. You're doing as much appearing on the radio as I have on podcasts recently. I was going to say, you've been a busy little bee. First, it was uh, Dillo's Diz. Then it was what uh, Main Street Magic with yep. Uh, Jeremy. Yep, that's right. And if you're listening to this on Monday, the 23rd, I was on Hyperion Adventures yesterday with wow. my friend Michelle and Tom. So I am doing, I am continuing the Monday morning monorail press tour. I am, <laughs> I am making all the stops. And if you would like Justin Monorail to appear on your podcast, please send me a DM. But yes, thank you so much to Jeremy for bringing me on to Main Street Magic. We had a great time talking about one food, one drink, one shop, and one attraction that we would do in every park, including Disney Springs. And then with Tom and Michelle, we were talking about uh, a little Disney this or that. And Michelle was the game show hostess with the mostest for that episode. So had a great time with both of them. Love them both. I consider all of them to be members of the Monorail family, whether they like it or not. <laughs> and of course, we all know the Hyperion Adventures podcast is the one-two punch of Disney podcasts to start your week. So please check out Hyperion Adventures podcast and check out Main Street Magic so so much good stuff out there. And I've got, I personally, we, <laughs> I don't know why I was excluding you from this, Landon. We have a lot of fantastic podcast friends and their support is amazing. Mm -hmm. It really it really is. Uh, I haven't checked out the Hyperion Advent, uh, Adventure episode with you on it. I'll be sure to do that. But I really enjoyed your appearance on uh, uh, Main Street Magic. I uh, dug the, uh, the pick uh beverage, food, uh, shop, and uh, attraction uh, you, uh, you and Jeremy did. That was that was a fun listen. Also, y'all missed the obvious attraction in Disney Springs. Y'all getting that, that aqua car thing. <laughs> well, I mean, right, that's the only option now, especially with the void gone. But, uh, <laughs> but it's right there, y'all. Come it's on. It's there, but I you've <laughs> got to pay extra for that. Nah, no, thanks. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, the uh, smoking Dot girlfriend and the ambassador did that on one of their trips. Apparently, uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun. So it looks like a lot of fun. It really does. Um, <laughs> well, maybe we can we could have them on sometime to talk about how fun it is, and, and maybe they can sell me on it. Let's let's just put that out there. Maybe that's something we can do in the future. Okay, I'll uh, I I I maybe know how to get in contact with them. Perfect. All right, good deal. Well. I'm going to put it out there in the in the universe that you all are going to come right back here next week for another Monday Morning Monorail podcast. But until then, thank you again for listening. Thank you for being a member of the Monorail family. And don't forget to thank a cast member. And finally, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.